Hi, and welcome back to this podcast, Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, the first in the Wolves of Chilga series. Episode 4 The Pack is Split. That same night, many leagues away, a troop of soldiers was wearily resting. Captain, we can't keep up with the pack. Their tracks are becoming older. The horses can't be ridden any longer or faster. They'll not survive if we ask more of them. The captain took off his helmet. He not realized how warm this land was. He looked at the troop, all top men, all weary. Sergeant, tell the men to take off their armor. See those trees? Hide the armor and shields. Empty the saddlebags of as much as possible. From now on, we live off the land. We must and will catch them. They would not be making such a journey and at such a speed if the survival of the whole pack did not depend on it. Shall I get the water, Milena? asked Boy as he stretched his arms above his head. They just stopped for the evening. Been a good day. Day six and the aches and pains were beginning to get less. He'd noticed that the countryside was changing. The land was beginning to climb. The trees were getting less dense but there were still areas of woodland. Grass was giving way to rocky outcrops and more grass. It reminded him of the moors around Gramdy's house. Boy went to get the fold-up bucket, made of some sort of leaves sewn together, when he tripped on a rock and landed in a small bush. He was cross with himself, and then even crosser when he heard Detra laughing at him. He started to get up when he noticed his right foot the trainer must have caught on the rock because it was ripped on one side. Oh no, he exclaimed crossly and sat down again. Are you okay? asked Milena. Have you hurt your foot? It's my trainer. It's ruined. What are mum and dad going to say? He groaned. Milena, how am I going to carry on without any shoes? He pointed at hers. They were more like leaves that seemed to curl around her feet. I haven't got any of those. Milena laughed. Don't worry, I have some spare foot protectors. Yeah, but not my size, he interrupted. Less Detra's got the same foot size as me. Listen, and stop worrying, boy. I don't understand everything you've said, but our foot protectors are for any person. You just stay there. Before boy could say anything, she went to a basket and pulled out a bundle of thin leaves. They were bigger than his feet, but as thin as anything. She pulled away too and put the others back. Take off your foot protectors and those thin foot covers and put your feet in the middle of each leaf. She placed two leaves in front of him. He looked at them and then her feet and then Milena. But your shoes are nothing like those leaves. Milena and Detra both laughed. Just put your feet on the leaves and stand still. Boy shrugged his shoulders and stepped on them. They didn't break as he expected. He was about to move when something strange started to happen. He felt the leaves swelling and growing like a cushion under his feet. The ends started to curl round his toes and intertwine across the top of his feet. It felt strange and spongy and a bit tickly as they curled over and around his toes. He wanted to jerk away, but felt Milena grab his arm and hold him still. The leaves finally stopped growing. They felt just perfect. He stepped forward. They were cushioned. 
so light, much better than his trainers. But how? he asked them both. They shrugged. They're picked from some special type of bush. Dad can explain what happens when you put them on. But I'll get confused. They just are, said Detra, shrugging his shoulders. Whilst we're on the subject, Elena bent down into the basket again and pulled out a leafy top and leggings. Your clothing needs replacing, doesn't it? Boy looked down. He grimaced to himself. He had to admit his clothing was looking pretty shabby and probably a bit smelly. They will fit you. They stretch tight. Boy took them from Elena. The leafy clothing felt so light and supple. He went behind the nearest tree and changed. He couldn't believe how comfortable they were. I'll get the water now, and thanks for the clothing and shoes, he said to Melena. I'll come with you, said Detra. It'd be good to explore the woods. They look different, don't they? Be careful, both, said Biter, who left the resting roofs lying down a few metres away. He sniffed the air. There are strange smells here I don't recognise. There is something out there that rules this forest. I don't think it's near, but be careful. Stay together at all times. Or shall I come with you? Oh, we'll be fine, Biter. Come on, hurry up, boy. Detra looked back. I want my tea. Just then, boy ran past him and into the bushes, laughing with pleasure and excitement. His new shoes were brilliant. He heard Detra crashing through the undergrowth behind him. Soon the land dipped and he saw the stream below him. Detra shouted, Wait a second. Uh, let me check it out to make sure it's safe. You don't know the signs. There, there's something odd here. I, I can feel it. Boy looked around him as he ran and ignoring Detra rushed on and ran on down the slope before breaking into a clearing. It felt strange. Then he stopped and he felt familiar. Shrugged his shoulders and carried on with it. Detra came out of the wood and shouted to him to stop. No, wait, boy, honestly, stop. Boy turned around, grinned and carried on to the water's edge. Then he heard it, a rustle, in the bushes across the stream. He froze, his blood turning to ice. His heart raced, a growl, a deep growl, deeper and more terrifying than anything he'd heard in his life. In the undergrowth on the other side of the stream, there was something there. Then he saw them. There were two large eyes, blood red in color, looking at him from the foliage. Then a head appeared, black as coal, a snarling face, huge mouth full of fangs and teeth. He felt frozen to the spot. He wanted to turn and run, but his legs wouldn't, couldn't move. All he could do was watch the creature move towards him. He felt Detra pull him back and step forward to stand in front of him, knife in hand. Staring at the animal, watching its every move, Detra turned to push Boy back towards the trees. His foot slipped, and before Boy could react, Detra had fallen onto his back. He cried out in pain, dropped his knife and grabbed his shoulder. Boy looked back to see the large reptilian creature creeping out of the undergrowth, eyes focused on them both. It was huge, its body covered in dark scaly skin, its jaws full of sharp curved teeth, dripping saliva. One large clawed foot after another, it slowly stepped towards them, stalking them. Boy couldn't move, he couldn't shout, he couldn't do anything. He heard Detra whimper in pain as he tried to push himself backward against Boy. 
It reached the water. It bared its yellow fangs. It crouched as it prepared to jump. Boy stood there motionless. Then suddenly, a calmness moved through him. He stared at the creature. No! His brain shouted. The animal stopped in stride and snarled, unsure of itself. Boy moved forward, stepping over Detra. He raised an arm. Go back! He shouted out loud. Go back! For a second, a long second, nothing happened. The animal snarled. Then it roared defiance. Ears pulled back, baring its teeth. Everything became still, totally still. No bird or animal noise. Just the animal, Detra, and himself. Time itself seemed to stand still. Boy felt the strain of concentrating so hard. He felt a dribble of sweat run down the side of his face. Still, he concentrated. He knew that if he relaxed for a second, the beast would be upon them. The animal stirred. It backed up a couple of paces. Roaring. It was giving in, Boy realized. It suddenly turned and ran back into the undergrowth. He felt a wave of relief flood through him. He stood there staring at the spot where the creature disappeared back into the undergrowth. At that moment, Wolfsa, Biter, and a third wolf rushed into the opening and surrounded the boys, sniffing the air and baring their teeth. Boy, what's happened? demanded Wolfsa. What was that creature? Biter looked down at Detra. You heard? Boy came to and dropped down beside Detra, who was gripping his shoulder and rocking backwards and forwards with the pain. It's my shoulder. I landed on that rock. I, I think I must have broken something. Make way, ordered Wolf, sir. He looked at Boy and then Detra. Running into the bush. This was badly done, Boy. We will speak of it later. Detra, stay very still so I may feel for the damage. Detra sat up, and although his ragged breathing spoke of his pain, he stayed still as Wolfsa touched his shoulder, front and back with his nose and face. He stood back and breathed on the area. Detra sighed. The pain vanished from his face, but he still looked pale. Biter came and nuzzled Detra. Climb onto my back. I'll carry you back to the camp. Slowly he stood, and Boy, feeling wretched, helped him as best he could onto Biter's back. Biter trod as carefully as he could to save jolting Detra. Boy followed behind, his head low. He didn't want to look at anyone. At the camp, the others crowded round as Detra slid off Biter's back and lay there. Exhausted. Can you hear it, Walsa? I want to stay with you, whispered Detra. Walsa looked down at him. I cannot mend your hurt. It will need your healer to do that. I have taken away the pain, though. It grieves me to say this, but you will need to return to your village and quickly. Longtail will carry you. He turned to the wolf beside him. Carry him quickly. Rest only when you must. Boy wished he was home. He quietly edged away from Detra and Wolfsa and away from the pack. He knew how stupid he'd been. Only I listened, he said to himself time and again. But as he sat away from them all, he also remembered the moment of power. It's almost like a heat running through him. He wanted to talk to Wolfsa about it, but the thought of facing him made his stomach churn. He looked away and saw Malena helping Detra onto Longtail's back. He walked up to them. I'm sorry, Detra. I, I should have listened to you. Detra smiled. Well, you did save my life, didn't you? I don't know how you made it go away. It's very brave of you. 
Then Longtail was moving and the pack parted to let them through. Run long, run safe. Run for the pack, said Wolfsa to the departing figures. Malena turned to Boy. What did he mean about you saving his life? I thought Wolfsa and the others frightened the creature away. Boy was too mixed up inside to explain. Felt sick with worry and humiliation. His fault, the debtor had been hurt and was now having to return to the village. What was Wolfsa going to say to him? He wanted to tell Malena what had happened, but he knew it would sound crazy to talk about the power he felt. Ah, oh, nothing really. When Detra slept, I, I didn't move, too scared, and then Wolfsa was there. Wolfsa turned and held Boy with his stare. His eyes bored into him. Come, it is time to talk. Walk with me, Boy. He turned and Boy followed, full of dread. They walked to the edge of the grove where no one can hear. Wolfsa turned to him. Now, tell me what really happened. Boy was relieved. Wolfsa's voice was gentle. He wasn't being shouted out. He gave him the courage to explain as best he could not only what happened, but about how he felt the power surge through him and the control he felt when he stared down the creature. Wolfsa nodded when he'd finished and leaned down so the boy could feel his warm breath upon his face. Boy, this is not easy for you. Already you're being asked to leave childhood behind you. This is a time of darkness. I would rather we did not have to ask you to venture into danger. But now is your time. You have a gift, a power. But with that power comes other things. Those around you, look at them, boy. He looked at the pack as they lay down, ready for sleep. Milena, busying herself as she put her cooking things away. For you to fulfill your destiny and our prophecy, we will need all our skills and cunning. We are here to protect you, but you in turn must think of others and protect them. And you will best help them by following their advice. This is their land and they know and sense the dangers around us all. Listen to them always, for I sense there is danger ahead. You promised that, boy. Boy had been looking at the ground, but he looked up and saw not anger but understanding in the wolf's eyes. He half smiled and nodded gravely, and Wolfsa saw that he had been understood. Come, boy, let us not forget. You have also shown great courage in facing that animal. That was well done. Now, it is time you slept. I sense the next days will test us all. Four days later with the soldiers. Fool! What do you mean a wolf and boy slipped past? Why aren't you telling me you caught and killed them both? The captain glared at the soldier. The boy seems injured, you say, and returning to the village. Well, that is something. Let's hope for your sake the wolf does not return. He stabbed the soldier in the chest with his finger. You would pay dearly for this error if I could afford to lose a man. But do not think it is forgotten. Now get out of my sight. The soldier hung his head, bowed and left. He knew answering would gain him nothing. He would have to make amends. He smiled to himself. Perhaps he could be the one to kill any remaining children. 
He hoped it would be so. Meanwhile, back with Boy, the countryside was beginning to change. The grass less lush, longer and thinner, the hills steeper and bigger. In the distance, the mountains that had been just a blue haze were beginning to take shape. Jagged snow-topped peaks could be seen, cold and threatening. Boy continued to be surprised and amazed at the wolf's stamina. They could run for hour after hour. Even the Peary's biter and growler were able to carry them were longer. His legs did not take so much from gripping Bice's sides, and now he had the confidence to sit upright, moving in tune with the wolf's loping strides. He continued to marvel at the lack of noise they made as they moved. The only sound was the wind in his hair as they sped along. He'd stopped needing to hold onto the bamboo pole so much, running rather than being pulled along during those times when Biter needed to take a rest from the boy's weight. Running was easier in his leaf shoes and leaf clothing, or if it felt as though he was wearing a second skin. Wolfsar's voice interrupted his thoughts. I have been thinking, boy. You need to learn to protect yourself. Melena. Yes, Wolfsar. I want you to teach him the skills of self-defense. He is to have the spare short staff that you carry. Boy was puzzled because it was only just over a metre long and he wasn't sure what use it would be to him or him to it, but he quickly agreed. It was later that day when the run was finished that Melena took out the two staffs. She put one down and held the other in front of him. Take it, she said. He was surprised by the weight of it. It is from a wood from a tree that grows in the forest towards the north. Now watch. She took the staff back, turned around, and gripping one end of it in both hands, swung it as hard as she could. It smashed through a tree branch next to her as though the branch was made of glass. Boy looked at the branch, now on the ground, and marveled at how clean the cut had been. He realized it was as deadly as any sword. Boys and girls are taught the art of the staff from five years old. You will only have time to learn the basics. So every day I'll teach you how to protect yourself with it against any animals that may attack you. From her pack, she pulled out what he realized was a long line of twine. Except it wasn't twine, he realized when he felt it, but a thin tree bark. We'll tie it up at the ends so you can wear it across your back at all times. Let's start with holding the staff. And so every morning and night, Boy would spend time learning how to hold the staff, how to stand and defend himself with it. Melena was a patient teacher, and he was amazed how quickly he began to follow the moves she taught him. Although he was always tired at the night after the day's travel, he enjoyed learning how to use the staff as though it was an extension of his arm. Several days later, they came to the river. They crossed minor ones many times, mostly to be narrow and shallow, occasionally a fast-moving one, wider and deeper. Deep enough to have been a problem for Malena and he, but the wolves had always been able to walk across with the two of them barely getting their feet wet. This one was different. Steep banks either side meant they were looking down on the river several meters below. It was several hundred meters across, with deep channels of fast-flowing current, 
like the fingers on a giant hand, these channels were separated by sections of exposed riverbed, where gnarled bushes grew out of the smooth grey stones. Biter, growler, said Wolfsar. Mark the opposite bank. See how it drops down further down the river. We shall aim to cross and land there. Boya Malena, you shall continue to ride on the wolves' backs. The water is too deep and swift for you to cross alone. Come. Boy had never been a good swimmer. He'd always hated school swimming lessons. Now he looked at the furthest part of the river, beyond the stones and small channels and streams. The speed with which the far channel flowed and the dark colour suggested a much deeper water than he encountered before. He bit his lip and felt his stomach clench at the thought of falling off Biter and being carried downstream. Milena reassured him. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Biter will make sure you are safe. I know, said Boy. I just don't like swimming much, especially in cold and fast rivers. He laughed, but he knew it sounded false. Biter joined in. Well, Boy, I may decide to keep you from falling off, but I may change my mind and drop you in halfway across if you continue to grip my fur like that. Startled Boy looked down and saw his knuckles were white from gripping the wolf's back fur. He instantly let go. Sorry, Biter, I, I didn't realise. Biter laughed, and then all conversation was forgotten as they slid down the bank onto the stony shore. The first few channels were shallow, and Biter easily walked through them onto the stony riverbeds. Milena in front of him turned and grinned with reassurance as they reached the stones after a deeper and broader channel. Boy began to hope that they would be okay. Perhaps the last big channel would be all right after all. He soon knew they were wrong. Closer to, the channel looked deeper and swifter and more dangerous than ever. You will need to hang on to me during this part, boy. Yes, even gripping my fur if necessary. I may have to swim this last bit. I have never crossed anything this fast moving before. Wolfsa stood overlooking the channel. The drop here was sudden and deep. It meant... They could not be sure of their footing once they slid down the bank into the fast-moving water. The largest wolf, Hunter, stepped forward first and slid down. He was immediately swept off his legs, went under the water, but quickly resurfaced. He struggled to gain footholds and was swept along again. At the third attempt, he managed to stand facing the current. The water came up to the top of his legs. By now he was further downstream, nearer to the shallow bank where Wolsa wanted him to land. With a heave he managed to leap forward and in two bounds made the shallow water and then the bank. Silverback was next, and Boy watched again with fear and then relief as the now sodden wolf managed to struggle out of the water. Wolsa turned to Boy. We shall go as four in a line. Growler, Biter, Runlong and then myself. Boy, if you and Melina fall into the water, Ron Long and myself will be there to save you. Fleetfoot and Small Ears will cross next as you carry the baskets. Graypaws shall cross last. Boy felt his heart pounding as they went to the water's edge. All four wolves stood in a row, awaiting Wolsa's command. Silverback and Hunter were poised on the other bank to re-enter the water if Boy and Melina fell in and were beyond Wolfsa's and Runlong's reach. First Wolfsa and then Runlong entered the water. Biter then turned to Boy. Now, 
Now we go. Boy gripped with his legs as hard as he could as Biter began to slip, almost out of control, down the channel. He dropped his body down onto Biter's back as he was jerked around. Then they were in the water with a giant splash. The shock of the cold water around his legs and arms and body made him gasp. He felt Biter scrabbling for grip on the riverbed, felt him lose his balance and fall sideways under the water. He hung on, eyes shut tight as his head went under. He felt the cold river water rushing over his face, and then he was choking and coughing and gasping for air as Biter fought his way upright again. He clung on, clothes soaking wet, shivering. It was harder than ever to hold onto Biter's now slippery sides. They were halfway across. Boy shook his head to clear the water from his eyes. Growler was nearby, also struggling to keep his footing in the fast-moving current. He, he couldn't see either Wolfsart or Runlong. His heart was pounding, too terrified to think straight. All his thoughts were on how to stay on. Then he saw, almost in slow motion, Growler begin to slip and fall to the side. He heard Malena scream as she fell with him into the water. Growler quickly gained his balance and jerked up onto his feet, but so quickly that Malena lost her hold and slid into the river again. The wolf turned round to grab her, but so doing, lost his balance again and went under the water himself. Without thinking, Boy sat upright, saw that Hunter and Silverback were jumping back into the water. It would be too late to save Malena. He couldn't see Wolsa still. He tore the staff off his back and leant forward across the biter's back, pointing it out in front of them. Biter, where is she? I can't see her. Malena surfaced, the current quickly pulling her towards them. Holding on to the end of the staff with one hand and the back of Biter's neck with the other, Boy screamed above the noise of the water. Grab the staff, Elena! Grab the staff! Melena, grab it! And desperately waved it at her. She was nearing them, her face just clear of the water, frantically swimming to stop herself from being carried further away from them. She saw the staff, made a lunge and caught the end of it. The current took her under again. Boy felt the staff nearly pulled out of his hand and then his arm being jerked hard. He felt himself slipping, grabbed Biter's fur, but the water had made it slippery. He couldn't hold on and was dragged off Biter into the river. He held onto the staff, the freezing water swirling around him. He felt the current pulling him around and down. Suddenly, he was being hauled back upwards and his head was out of the water. He clung onto the staff. It was Biter holding him by the back of his tunic, which dug into his armpits. The water roared in his ears. He gasped for breath as Biter lifted him clear. But then Biter lost his footing, and the three of them were pulled under the water again. Biter surfaced, and the chain of three were hurtling downriver. Water streaming down his face, he saw Malena gripping the staff grimly with both hands. At one moment she was gasping for breath, the next being pulled under by the current. He hung on. Hunter and Silverback were now in position in front of them. Biter released his grip on Boy as Malena and then Boy were caught and lifted by the tunics by the two wolves. Malena let go of the staff and the pain in his arms and hand disappeared. But then the tunic bit harder under his arms as he was lifted higher by Hunter. Jumping and lurching sideways, they gradually all stepped towards the shallower and calmer waters. Hunter held on to Boy as they unsteadily moved through the calmer water to a shallow, sandy bank, where they were joined by the others. 
they sank to the ground and saw Malena do the same. Boy was exhausted. His shoulder ached badly, but his first thought was for Malena. He was relieved to see her sitting up, shaken, but smiling. He sat down beside her. Thank you, boy. That was frightening, wasn't it? I'm sure I would have been swept away if you hadn't helped me. She leaned across to hug him. Boy felt embarrassed and didn't know what to say, but he found himself smiling as he stuttered that it was, it was okay. They were both soaked again as the wolves shook their fur, showering the children with droplets of water. They spluttered and laughed in surprise and relief. Biter came up to Boy. Told you not to worry, Boy, he laughed quietly. One by one, the remaining wolves came ashore. Small ears and run long, still clutching the now wet baskets for Malena and Boy. Wolfsa stood before them. You did well, children. Boy, using your staff, it gave time for Hunter and Silverback to get into position. You have learned much. Thank you, Wolfsa. It was very quick thinking, Boy. Biter nudged his face. It was also very brave of you. Well done. Boy grinned. Thank you. You saved us both, Biter. Thank you for today and for all the other days. For a moment they just stayed, face against face. Then Wolfsir was calling Biter and he sat there cold but content as Biter loped away and continued to grin to himself. He couldn't help it. He'd never been thought of as brave before. And to help save Malena as well. Yes, today was a very good day. This was Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, written, narrated, and recorded by Simon Taylor. For more information about Simon Taylor, his books, radio broadcasts, and school storytelling, go to www.simontaylorstoryteller.com.